when a woman leaves or flees or a guy because of abuse of themselves or of the children to tell them that they are required to stay faithful to that marriage and to not divorce and to stick with that person, I think it condemns the guiltless. And I think that it's violating the God desires mercy and not sacrifice principle. What about abuse or extreme situations? First, let me say this. The answer I'm giving right now does not apply in most situations. It doesn't apply to most marriages. Please guard your heart. It's easy to fake that you're abused or to get a victim mentality where you, after you've decided you want a divorce, all of a sudden you have this radically distorted, you know, retelling of the story. And um, we don't want to do that, right? And, and But I can't control that. I'm, I, I also don't want to victimize the abused to avoid people doing that. So I'm not going to do that. We are called as Christians to turn the other cheek, to forgive 70 times 7, to to be gracious and and loving and kind and to just go the extra mile. But we are not called to just sit there and stay in a marriage of abuse. My 13th principle, and I'm going to tell you the principle first this time, and then I'll give you biblical reasons for it. Radical danger or harm justifies separation and divorce. Radical danger or harm. It justifies not only separation, but also divorce. Now, I'm going to give you a number of examples in the scripture and then show you how to apply that to divorce. Examples where any kind of radical harm or danger, it justifies, generally speaking, breaking rules. So um, I know that sounds, this is, this is potentially abused, what I'm about to tell you, but I think it's very true. Um, let's go to Matthew 12, verse 3. Jesus, you know, we know the rule of the Old Testament. Like, you, you maybe you know this, right? You, you don't eat the showbread. The showbread is for the temple and it's for the priests. Only, the, only they can eat it. But in Matthew 12, 3, Jesus says something where there was an exception to that rule. And he says, have you not read when David, what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and he ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. So the principle seems to be, well, David's life is in danger. He's being chased by Saul. He needs food to continue on his journey and save his own life. And Jesus seems to be approving of his eating of the showbread. But there's a law against it because this is an exception to that law. There's a lot of other examples of these types of things. Matthew 12, verses 5 through 7. We'll just scroll down a bit. Jesus talks about this and the Sabbath. Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath, the priests of the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless, right? Because they're laboring in the temple on the Sabbath. This is interesting, isn't it? Wait, they profane, but they're guiltless? And then he goes on to explain the principle they didn't understand. He says, I tell you something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless for the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. When a woman or, or, or husband, it does, it's not as often common, but it does happen. When a woman leaves or flees or a guy because of abuse of themselves or of the children, and they have to get out of Dodge to tell them that they are required to stay faithful to that marriage and to not divorce and to stick with that person, I think it condemns the guiltless. And I think that it's violating the God desires mercy and not sacrifice principle. So if you're saving someone or you're healing life, like when, let me give you another example here. Um, same chapter, Matthew 12, verses 11 and 12. 
violating the Sabbath, so to speak, in, in, in a, at least their view of the Sabbath, their overly strict view of the Sabbath, just like some people's overly strict view of marriage. Matthew 12, 11, it says, um, which one of you has a sheep? If it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will take hold of it and lift it out. And of course they would. They would all have done that. And then he goes on to say, of how much more value is the man than the sheep? So it is, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Yeah, yeah, don't work on the Sabbath, but you can do good on the Sabbath. There's some great good deed that needs to be done. Well, it is good to encourage a, a woman to depart from a seriously abusive situation or a man or, or kids for that matter. That's a general good. So unless you're saving or healing life, right, then you, can, then you have a new exception. The exception here is about human life and um, human health. And that's what the abuse issue is all about. Uh, can someone depart a marriage when there's abuse like that going on? There's more examples. Um, we've already talked about some of these, right? But in Luke 18, Jesus is like, hey, honor your father and mother. But in Luke 14, he's like, you have to hate your father and mother. Well, he doesn't mean actually hate. But he's like saying, yeah, it would be perceived as dishonoring them. But the greater rule is following me, not them. We're to obey government. But in Acts, they disobey the government. And they keep preaching Jesus anyways, because there's a, there's a general rule, obey the government, but there are exceptions to that rule that are appropriate. You're not to eat unclean food in the scripture, but Ezekiel, he was directly told to eat unclean food by God. So, I mean, if you have a direct instruction, then you follow that. You're not to fail gather, gathering on the Sabbath in the Old Testament, but if you're ceremonially unclean, you can't gather on the Sabbath. So there's an exception to a rule. You're to respect your husband, right? Except if you know if your husband's plotting to murder somebody you would you would naturally go against that um abigail in the story of nabal she seems to disrespect and go behind her husband's back but she's she's lauded for it she actually saves his life and the lives of her servants by doing it and so saving life seems to be a general exception to lots of rules um, there's all kinds of other stuff we could look at um yeah there's all kinds of other examples i could give you're to turn the other cheek and take up the cross but Jesus also says in Matthew 10, 23, if they persecute you, flee. Well, that's not exactly turning the other cheek. Yeah, but that's because you got to have some wisdom here. That's why. And again, finally, to get to where we are today, you're not to divorce except for adultery. I would say, unless essential health is at risk. After all, this is the commonality among so many examples of exceptions to the rule in the Bible and from the mouth of Jesus. It alone doesn't answer all the questions, but there's a principle that we can say, we can obey this principle with wisdom, when life is at stake, when, when serious health concerns are at stake, yes, you can get out of Dodge, you could flee, you could hide, you could do whatever you need to do. Jesus' instruction in the scripture is based on getting the heart of marriage. Therefore, uh, we can evaluate his instruction as a principle about the heart of marriage, not an unbending law that doesn't allow for exceptions. Jesus does this with other issues like the Sabbath. And Paul offers an exception. Jesus offers multiple exceptions. We can extend that to abuse, I think, easily. So to put it another way, Jesus' similar understanding of exceptions for life or health when understanding the heart of the Sabbath or other laws, it seems to indicate that there's at least room for considering that the same kind of exceptions would exist in Jesus' teaching on the topic of marriage. It's consistent with Jesus. It's consistent with the Old Testament. It's how Jews at the time would have applied it Right. Um, according to Instone Brewer and Craig Keener, the Jews of the time would have assumed there were exceptions to any rule that Jesus had given. They would just assume there's other exceptions. And it's consistent with compassion. And probably, perhaps that's what Paul meant when he says we're not enslaved. We're not talking about making marriage a slavery situation. It's not meant to be that. And so in such cases where marriage is becoming slavery, we are not enslaved.